Hi, and welcome to the HinghamCast. I'm your host, Allie Donling. This episode is brought to you by FrameBridge. The HinghamCast is hyper-local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town, my town, here on Boston South Shore. But our mission is universal. Conversation, connection, community. Today, we're bellying up to the bar to get at the hustle and heart of local craft brewing. Hi, my name is Chris Carreri. I'm one of the brewers here at Vitamin C, and I'm just looking into the kettle at Beach Fire Stories. Beach Fire Stories is a peanut butter stout brewed once a year by Vitamin C Brewing in Weymouth. Well, this is the Manway. Uh, open it to The heady mix of marshmallow, cocoa, sea salt, and peanut butter takes about three weeks to come to life. How would you describe it? Delicious. Uh, uh, very roasty, very flavorful, and it's, and it's light. It doesn't have a really thick mouthfeel, but it's, it's nice. We're getting a look under the hood, so to speak, of three local breweries. How does a beer get born or named? Brewers are putting in Pop Rocks and donuts. Does it ever go too far? And is anyone eyeing that empty beer workspace at the shipyard? It's a great conversation, so let's get to it. Joining me is Hingham's own Mike Dyer, co-owner of Untold Brewing in Situate. Hi, Mike. Hi, Allie. How are you? Good. And Hingham's Russ Heisner, founder of Barrow House C in Weymouth. Hi, Russ. Hello. And, um, all right, so I'm going to wait for Dino here. That works for me. Okay. We're waiting on Dino Fanari, founder of Vitamin C. He got the interview time wrong, and when he got to the brewery, his Wi-Fi was on the fritz. Okay, so um, don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. (laughs) But this trio is used to fixing things on the fly and taking care of each other. Barrel House and Vitamin C are next door to each other, and Russ offers to share his mic. All right, there he is. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I think you need a beer, my friend. I don't know. I don't, that's, I don't know if that's going to be strong enough. <laughs> we got some swear, swear jar, jar for you. Oh, I know, oh wow. I know, okay. I know that would be appropriate. That would be appropriate, yeah. <laughs> Dino comes crashing into his competitor's tap room like a beloved but troublemaking brother. It wouldn't be me if I didn't have like a grand entrance like this. <laughs> <laughs> Dino Funare, ladies and gentlemen. In the house. In the house. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Off we go. So, Russ, I'm going to start with you because I think I have you to thank for my marriage. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was early in the 1990s while you were head brew at Harpoon, and I was at a house party in Brighton, and they had ordered legit beer. Thank you, Jess Altez. It was a keg of Harpoon IPA, and I am a two-drink maximum on my best day. I used to drink O'Doul's as beer. So (laughs) that should tell you. But anyway, I had a couple of plastic cups of Harpoon IPA and I worked up the liquid courage to tell my husband, who I'd met that night, that he should pick me. And nearly 20 years later, (laughs) the sordid tale continues. So Russ, thank you very much. uh, I've heard many, many stories of uh, similar to what you just described. Um, Mary, Mary and I actually met at Harpoon. Oh, is that right? Yes, we did. (laughs) My marriage, your marriage. That's awesome. Okay, let's go back just a little bit further. You came here from California to help launch Harpoon, and that was in 1986. So 
obviously the local craft beer scene here in Massachusetts has changed massively over that time. You launched Barrel House in 2015, a couple of years before these other guys. But what has it been for you to see the South Shore Brewing community evolve? I think it's, it was a natural evolution of something that, you know, when we started back in the in the mid 80s, we were probably there were maybe less than 10 microbreweries at the time mm. across the entire country. And but we had, I think we had always sort of envisioned that um, the brewing um, community and culture would sort of take root. And it was wonderful to 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 really welcome all the rest of the folks on the South Shore because it really wasn't much of a scene in 2015. Hmm. I mean, I remember the day Dino called me uh, and said, I'm looking at a site next to you. Um, what do you think? And I said, I think we're not going to have parking spaces for both breweries. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, I mean, like, like as, just to kind of echo what Russ is saying, I mean, we've always had this thing of, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all ships. And this has become kind of like a cream and sugar neighborhood for breweries. You know, we're always helping each other out and um, they they really could could not have done more for us as as neighbors and as a, as a new brewery. In fact, they kind of gave us our first shot. We were still brewing in my basement, and Russ had called and asked if we wanted to come and, and brew a commercial beer here and have it you know have it be released commercially. So it was our technically our like our first collab huh. was with Barrelhouse Z. Yeah. So well, I love that you called yourself a you know kind of a cream and sugar community because. Russ, you had an issue during COVID with sourcing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We um, had to pivot, you know, very quickly. You know, most of our business pre-COVID was actually through our tap room. And um, we had to pivot pretty quickly to cans. And we had a little bit of a tough time, you know, on a week, just from a weekly logistics delivery point of view, getting some cans to start canning some stuff. And Dino was able to send the forklift next door, bring some cans over, and then once we got our delivery, we sent them back. So and that's just a great example of, of what a great community it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dino, you founded Vitamin C in 2019. Correct. From your perspective, what makes the South Shore any different than any other part of the state in terms of the brewing community? I don't know. I, I feel like it's it has a, a more homey feel here, and it's 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 very neighborly, right? I feel like no matter what the cause is or no matter what it is, that the South Shore always comes out in droves to to support each other. And I think that's that's echoed through the, the craft beer community here as well, mm. how we all help each other out. And there's a sharing of ideas and technique and, and, and even supplies when need be. It's, it's really what makes this industry so special. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if Russ had the kind of more formal training, uh, the absolute more formal training. He's got a degree in fermentation science and was kind of the sure. nothing personal, but the most legit guy to come on the scene of the three of you to start, to launch. Sure. Dino, you started brewing beer in your kitchen and eventually graduated to your basement. Yeah, that was it. Well, we, we, we had one stop at, on my front porch, but then uh, we realized it was going to get kind of cold in the winter. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, that's, uh, that's where it started. So- I absolutely love the story of the blue cooler. It's a cooler you had at your house in Hull. Will you tell me about that? Yeah. So we, um, you know, we always kind of took this thing very serious. Like every holiday, birthday, I'd always ask my wife for another piece of equipment. So she she bought us a, a little uh, canner 
that we would use. And we'd can like, I don't know, 10, 12 cases in a week and we couldn't sell them. We, you know, we weren't licensed. So we would give them away to friends for feedback. Mm. It got to the point where it was just, it was too many people coming down my street. And I had this blue cooler that we put out there and people would just say, oh, I heard if I, you know, I come by, I can, I can grab a four pack of your beer out of your cooler and try it out. And, and it started with friends and then organically it, it kind of compounded out and friends of friends and friends of friends. And next thing you know, <laughs> we were getting calls from you know Australia and Japan and, and Brazil and all over these places. I'm coming to Boston. I was told that I could come to your, uh, come to your brewery and, and try your beer. And it was like, well, I got to tell the kids at seven o'clock. You want to come after that? And yeah, like it was, it was funny. Uh, it was, it was quite a story. And that cooler is actually mounted in our tap room now. And it's kind of helped to add to the mythos. So have you ever had a blue cooler beer? We actually did. Uh, we, well, I shouldn't say we did. We do. Well, if it, for truth be told, the original story, the original beer was going to be called Little Blue Pill. And, and that actually, for, for other reasons, that uh, had to get mixed. We didn't think Pfizer would be too happy with that. So um, so it actually, that beer morphed into Little Blue Cooler, which uh, is, is a beer that we have now that we release periodically. Though I'm sure there are a fair amount of male beer drinkers that wouldn't mind beer being the Little Blue Pill. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> understandably, understandably. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here to recognize our sponsor, Framebridge. I'm psyched they've come to Derby Street. I brought in a bunch of photos to have framed and they look awesome. The process is really fun. You can do it online at framebridge.com, but I like going in person. A store designer helps figure out what kind of frame would fit your photo, your space, your style, and then creates the look right there on their iPad so you can see exactly what it will look like before you buy. One of the best parts is the price. There are no surprises. Framing starts at $39, and that's all in. The mat, the glass, the frame, everything. Plus, right now, Hinghamcast listeners can get 15% off their first order using the code Hingham. Get inspired. Frame artwork, baby clothes, sports jerseys. My oldest is into theater, so I'm framing ticket stubs from her shows for a cool gift. Shipping is free, so order now. And don't forget to use promo code Hingham to save an additional 15% off your first order. Go to Derby Street or do it online at framebridge.com, promo code Hingham. That's framebridge.com, promo code Hingham. Okay, welcome back. Mike, set the scene for me a little bit. Where are you talking to us from? So I am in our tap room, 1852 one-room schoolhouse, the old South Main uh, schoolhouse that uh, we picked up, uh, moved uh, from around the corner from where it currently sits and restored. And it is the, uh, I wouldn't say the hallmark, but it's definitely a, a central uh, component of our tap room. You physically picked up this schoolhouse and moved it on a, on a flatbed truck. Correct. Yes. That's very cool. That's very cool. Mike, Untold was founded in 2017, and one of your mantras is, every beer has a story. What's your favorite story behind one of the Untold beers? Sure. I, I think you have to go back to uh, probably the founding story of Untold. Matt Elder, my, my business partner, uh, Situate native, he grew up here, went to BU, got his master's degree, met his wife. Uh, who was originally from the Pacific Northwest. They ended up moving out to the Seattle area. He had one of those great consulting jobs that had him flying around the country every week. And uh, as his family grew, he got tired of looking at his seat back and decided one day that he had just, you know, kind of had enough and uh, ended up going to work for Georgetown Brewing 
his whole intent was to uh, come back home mm. and uh, and opening a brewery. And so uh, the first beer that we produced was a West Coast style IPA called East by Northwest. Uh, that kind of marries uh, a lot of the kind of West Coast brewing tradition and style that he had learned out there with a little bit of uh, what you'd find in, in more of a New England style beer. Mm. To this day, it's it's still um, our most popular beer. It's one that we produce uh, almost weekly and is one that, uh, you know, kind of people have, have come to know us for. Interesting. Great. It leads to the question for all of you about how a beer is born. So, how does that creative process get started for you guys? And Dino, I'll start with you. Uh, it's just usually like two o'clock in the morning while I'm lying in bed and I can't fall asleep. But uh, I, I think I think for us, a lot of it, and it really depends on styles, right? We travel and, and we might be at a, a tiki bar or something and and we'll try a different, you know, crazy cocktail and say, boy, I wonder if we could translate this into a beer mm. you know is there a way that we could replicate that and, and create a Mai Tai inspired beer mm. or you know flipping through a cooking magazine and finding some crazy dessert and saying could we make a you know flourless chocolate cake beer you know something along those mm. lines um, and then obviously there's the standards like well and, you know enjoying a beer at a specific place and kind of just leaving a mental note like boy we need to make something like this does that hold true for you too, Russ? Yeah, absolutely. I really get my creative juices going when um, someone describes a flavor profile and aroma profile that uh, would be really tough to pull off. Mm. Um, and when we pull it off, um, you'll hear me yelling from across the street uh, in exultation. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. It's such a huge part of your industry. in in a lot of ways, a unique way. Why do you think that is, Mike? One of the nice parts about working in this industry is I think a lot of us respect each other's talents for uh, what they are. You know, much much like a chef, you know, anyone can have a recipe to, you know, a particular dish, but you could give 10 different brewers all the same recipe and the results are going to be 10 different beers. And uh, the, the kind of the competitive nature comes you know, a bit of out, a bit out of it because you're not not so much worried that you know, hey, Dino's going to produce a really you know better version of this beer than we are or Ross or you know name anyone else. It's it's as much uh, the consumer enjoys experimentation yeah. and enjoys trying different different styles and flavors and those type of things. That's what kind of lends the hand to all of us feeling uh, confident or motivated. Uh, to work together to to try to create different beers. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you see sometimes, or a lot of times, you guys using kind of funky ingredients or things you certainly wouldn't think outside or looking in anyway, or before all this kind of um, sampling started of like donuts or, you know, a funky cereal. Like, how do you safeguard your beer or your brand from, you know, crossing a line of innovation to to gimmick Russ? Um, you know, part of, I mean, I, when we started Barrel House Z, you know, innovation and experimentation are part of our, you know, what, who we are. And I ultimately the, you know, our customers will tell us whether or not they like it. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gimmick. I don't mean it like, yeah, it sounds like such a filthy word when I yeah. just said it, but I, but I meant like, you know, is there a field too far in terms of 
of what you put into the beer. I think, yeah, I think protein. I think no protein, no, no chicken, no, uh, you know, yeah, no beef products or anything like that. But, yeah. but I, I, you know, I, I think the thing is, is like with beer, beer is fun, right? Um, and there's no question that there's the traditional side to it. And we've actually kind of been steering back a little bit that way. But, but you know, at the same time, we have a supply room here where at our place where it's probably more cereal and candy options than, than our pantry at home. So I, I think there's nothing wrong with embracing all of it and really giving the people what they want. And I don't think that you, there's any reason to be pigeonholed in it. So who taste tests your beer? And is there someone that you're like, oh, you, I got to get X in here? I mean, I, I personally, I, I taste test everything, but that's just about all that I get. It seems like we're we're constantly producing beers and I never really get a chance to say, oh, I got to go back to that and, and grab a four pack and bring it home and, and mm. try it. Um, it's kind of odd. I, I got into this for my love of beer and, and I probably drink less beer now than ever. Mm. Russ, I mean, you know, this whole process is very artistic, right? I mean, you, you're you are artists on, on many levels. And do you ever get self-conscious of, oh boy, I hope they like it? Dino's nodding yes. And I'm kind of like, uh, no, I mean. Um, <laughs> I'm maybe, nodding yes, like I'm a, a bobblehead on a dashboard. But, but maybe it's just <laughs> a great beard and the, the lack of hair on my head, you know, in, in the business. I, um, you know, I'm pretty comfortable knowing that, you know, we're going to make things that people like. And, and like I, I said before, if they don't like it, we'll find out pretty fast. Mm, yeah. And we won't repeat it. Right. Mike, how about you at Untold? I can't, I can't disagree with what either Dino or Russ said. I mean, I think for a process standpoint here, when it comes to creating new beers, you know, we're, you know, myself, Matt, um, our head brewer, uh, you know, we've got a, I guess what we would call a panel. You know, one person might say, hey, this is great and it smells awesome and it has the aromas and the flavors we're going for. And the person literally next to them is not getting that at all. Mm. People's palates from one person to the next vary incredibly. And so someone really might prefer, you know, very sweet or pillowy, soft, hazy IPA. And the person next to them in line might prefer something that's more bitter and dry. Yeah. And I, I think trying to you know, having one person be the the ultimate, you know, decision maker could be challenging, especially if you're trying to produce a lot of different different styles. Yeah, yeah. And what's your bobbleheading about, Dino? I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess being an artist, if you will, um, to coin your your phrase, you always you want to make sure that we're putting out something that people will like. Mm -hmm. We have our our standard portfolio of beers that we constantly release. Um, and we've, we're, we're pretty confident that, that people like those and they're, they're enjoying those. But when we, when we kind of go off the reservation a little bit and, and do something crazy or something funky, you know, we hope that it's going to get well received. You know, it's, we, 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 I think we hit on most and I think there's somewhere we're just kind of like, well, I guess we won't be making that again. Right. You know, yeah. or yeah. maybe, maybe we table it and say, well, we could do these kinds of tweaks or those kinds of tweaks. And I don't like to ever just fully give up on a beer. Um, I feel like there's, there's always, you know, modifications that can be made and, you know, we can kind of revamp. And I, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah. So if I were to ask you your favorite beer, I, I suspect you'll say, oh, that's like asking me who my favorite kid is. But think of someone really special in your life. And if you were going to put one of your beers in front of them to say, 
look what I did. Which one would that be? Do you know? Oh boy, I got to go first. Um, go. Let me think. <laughs> um, I would probably say our uh, Just Another T-Shirt Shop IPA would, would be the one that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of. Why? Why that one in particular is your favorite? Uh, there's a really good story behind it. Uh, the, the, the short story is that we were given a hard time by an existing brewery at one point before we were open. And they more or less browbeat us a little bit and, and that we weren't really a brewery because we weren't licensed yet. And instead we were just another t-shirt shop because we had t-shirts with our branding and whatnot on it. So <laughs> uh, we, we swore that that would become a beer and we ended up launching in that market with that beer and, and, and had a record sell out. So that's a, that's a, that's a fun one for us. I love it. A beer rumble. I'm in. Oh yeah. Mike, how about you? Uh, man, uh, I don't know. I, I probably most recently hazy IPA called Layers on Layers that we're releasing again here shortly. It's not a big hype beer. It's not you know anything that uh, you know it certainly is going to draw a huge line of people. But I think the the quality of it and how it stands up and and kind of reflects our brewing style is difficult to difficult to overlook. Okay, Russ. You know. Uh, there's one beer that, in my mind, that really stands out, both from sort of a <clears throat> emotional attachment, um, but also I'm I'm super proud of. You know, we were talking about you know what what gets us up in the morning, what inspires us, and for me, it's always a technical challenge. And one of the most challenging beers to execute as a brewer is a pilsner style, believe it or not. Um, but you know, talking about putting yourself out there, we actually did a little bit of a twist on it. We added gin botanicals and we came up with something called Sunny in 79. And the emotional part comes from Mary and I having an opportunity to spend a lot of time in Southern California. And um, we have, it's always Sunny in 79 there. (laughs) Let's head to break with the listen on the Barrel House Z production process. When we were there, they were dumping the yeast out of the fermenter. So my name is Matthew Wiley. Uh, I am the head brewer here at Barrel House Z, and uh, I am with our cellarman slash assistant brewer, uh, Tom, and we are getting ready to dry hop the beer. This is uh, Stay Classy, which is our West Coast IPA. Uh, slightly easier to drink than the New England IPAs just because it doesn't have as much residual sugar. So we are going to now discharge the CO2. We're going to dump a bunch of dry hops into the top. You know, if anybody wants a a West Coast IPA that we put a lot of love into, Stay Classy would be it. We put a lot of love into the podcast, too. Sign up for our emails and you'll never miss an episode. You'll also be entered to win great swag from Barrel House, Untold, and Vitamin C. Sign up at thehinghamcast.com. So I want to switch gears a little bit, maybe to get into a bit of an uncomfortable zone. But earlier this year, a female brewer in Salem put a post on Instagram that she was sick of being discriminated against and sexually harassed in the industry. She didn't work for any of you guys. But it launched a Me Too response from other female brewers or women working in the space. And the stories that poured in were horrific, not quote unquote, just discrimination, which is kind of sad to say, but you know, just appalling harassment and in some cases, sexual assault. How did that hit each of you? And 
did anything change at your brewery after? And Russ, I'm going to ask you first. Of course, you asked the old guy first. <laughs> um, no, it was very impactful to us. You know, Mary and I have four daughters, and it was painful to read those descriptions and the things that were being written about. It was, I, I call it like it was a call, you know, for change, period. It was a long time coming. As a matter of fact, yeah, I yeah. think I, I, that was probably the first word out of my mouth when I heard about it. It was like, this is a long time coming. And, you know, we, as an industry overall, the craft beer, beer space is, you know, predominantly white male. And this is very uncomfortable, but we need to talk about it. I do believe that, you know, is now in the forefront of, and we sift situations differently as a result. What does that mean? It probably was not um, thought of when you're making certain decisions or day-to-day operations uh, mm. in the past, and I, but I do think it, it is at the forefront of our thinking now, Great. Um, which is one way to like, enact change. It's like just acknowledging and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, how about for you? I agree with Russ. I mean, I think it, it um, was, you know, kind of personally eye-opening you know, like Russ, I have a I have a young daughter that you know, for the life of me, looks at untold in my job and my career and says, "Gee, I, I want to work in a brewery someday." And I sit and scratch my head. Um, I I think that uh, you know here, it, it certainly gave you know Matt and I pause. Like a lot of small breweries, we don't have a an HR department or or things like that, and so we had to think creatively about how how would we address an issue that came up. You know, whether it was between two uh, employees or uh, outside vendor or, you know, an, an employee at a private event. We've kind of treated Untold and Matt has treated Untold like, you know, an extended family. And, and we've got a, a good core group of people that, you know, love and respect each other. But that's not that's not a guarantee for the future. Right. And I, and I yeah. think that where we've tried to sit down has been, you know, what, what are our hiring policies? Are we creating a inclusive workspace? Are there uh, processes in place if, if someone is unhappy or feels threatened or things like that, that, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know that would have come to the forefront of our day to day without the, the issues being brought, brought to light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dino, how about at vitamin C? Yeah, I mean, I also have a daughter as well, and and I think I think we're just about sixty percent of our staff is female, so it certainly hit home for us as well. A, a lot of our employees are either related or friends of of friends, uh, but uh, certainly as we grow, um, it's it's the kind of thing that 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 worries us, and also not even just internally, but but externally. You know, customers. Uh, that can have a tendency to, to, to also mm-hmm. uh, cross the line from time to time. And we just, we have a zero tolerance policy for that. Uh, it's, you know, we've, we've put up a sign in our tap room and, you know, stating that like, you know, to, that we're inclusive of everyone. And we we're here because we want everyone to feel that this is a safe space and, and no one, um, you know, should feel any differently than that. Um, what it's kind of done for us is, it's it's really got us off our butts to to get our uh, you know employee handbook and policies written. Uh, we're working with a former ACLU attorney because, quite honestly, you know we don't have an HR department either. Yeah. For us yeah. to do it correctly and and hit everything, we know that we'd be in way over our heads. So uh, it's it's unfortunate that there's vile behavior like this out there, and it, it's it's disgusting as human beings. It really is, and I hope. 
that change happens not only, and we've seen it happening already in the craft beer industry, but I hope that we see it happen in other industries. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's, um, it's certainly, it's, it's just not, it's, it's wrong. It's, there's no other way to put it. No, there is not. Okay, I think this is a good time for us to take a break. Let's head out hearing how the beer gets into the can that gets into your hands at Untold. And this morning we are packaging Surf Seeker, which is our hazy imperial pale. Simple enough, empty 16 ounce silver can. Uh, this machine, there's two steps to it. It's first set of, of uh, kind of needle looking things there. Uh, I'm actually putting uh, carbon dioxide in the can. And the cans are moved over, and that thumping sound you hear is uh, the filler head going down into the can, and it fills from the bottom to the top. And then the clink, clink, clink you hear is the lids being applied to the top of the can. And then they're seamed in that device right here to your right. And then they get rinsed off, and they Keep moving down the conveyor line here to our right down to packaging kit. I want to thank our media partners at the Hingham Anchor. To put faces to these voices, get a look inside their brew houses, head to HinghamAnchor.com. All news is local. Okay, back to the conversation. What's next for these brewers? And is anyone eyeing the beer workspace at the shipyard? What's next for all of you? What's what are there new brews? Do you have expansion plans? Is there anything exciting you want to share with folks? Give us some kind of inside news. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I think one of the cool aspects of working in uh, craft beer is we're, we're always working on something new. You know, we're, we've got a, a variety of uh, collaborations that we're working on right now. Uh, a couple new beers that we're you know particularly excited about. I, I think like a lot of people are trying to figure out how the market is changing. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, the COVID certainly made buying beer a very different thing than it was, uh, you know, right up to the moment that, that doors closed. And um, as a result, I think, you know, at least for us and Untold, we're seeing a, a really exciting and fantastic uh, rebirth this year. Our sales are up dramatically. Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's given us kind of a uh, pause and thought about how we, how we modify our availability and experience uh, for people to be able to get a hold of our beer uh, in the, in the year to come Yeah, yeah. without being uh, too veiled in a response. I mean, I think we, we saw a lot of success this past year um, operating a second uh, beer garden location at the Derby street shops in Hingham. We, we intend to be back there again uh, this next summer and have already started the, the process on that. Uh, for us, it's, it's starting to look at what, what's the next home. You know, for us, it's kind of thinking about how we how we reach additional people on the South Shore, and and the, and the most likely uh, uh, step for us is a is a second location, a second tap room. Any any hint on where that could be? Somewhere on the South Shore. Oh, that's super <laughs> revealing. Thanks for that. Wait till I tease that. <laughs> Russ, how about for you? I am. Uh, you know, I. During COVID, I, I came back to work here. I, I probably not broadly know it. Um, you know, I had stepped away from the brewery day to day um, in 2018. 
but during COVID came back, you know, full time. Um, but late last year, I was presented with an opportunity to sort of blend um, some of my other previous career moves in uh, sustainable um, and renewable energy via a synthetic biology company by the name of uh, Ginkgo Bioworks. One of the things that I've always held is that um, sustainability within the alcoholic beverage industry could be made more accessible by better software. So better ingredients, better yeasts, higher performing, you know, uh, materials that can actually create a Pilsner instead of taking eight weeks, maybe it might take two, allowing even small producers potentially to not have to spend a bunch of capital to have a big impact on climate change and um, climate action. And so I was hired last year as the entrepreneur and resident, start putting prototypes uh, in the market to demonstrate the functionality of um, new and better yeast, new and better hop flavors. Um, we're even looking at, mm. believe it or not, this is almost like heresy in our industry, um, making hop molecules out of yeast. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and so Dino's looking at me like I'm absolutely insane or crazier. Or no, I, I think it's somewhere in between. I think if there's, there's he's somewhere in between. Uh, and that's clearly that stuff's like way above my pay grade. So <laughs> what's coming down the pike for vitamin C, Dino? Boy, what is? Um, I mean, I guess for us, there's there's a few things. Um, I, I would say that you're you're going to see another location for us. We also did a, a pop up beer garden, if you will, down in Hull this past summer for a few weeks to kind of bring us back home to, to where we started. And I think you're going to probably see that again next summer mm. while we uh, work out some potential brick and mortar locations that we're looking at right now. So could we see a vitamin C pop up in Hingham? Uh, I mean, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we, there, we, there's, there is a, believe it or not, there's kind of a gentleman's agreement uh, as well with, with all of us that, uh, you know, certain people have kind of put their flag down in certain areas. So, you know, you, you might, if, 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 uh, untold does, does their, uh, beer garden there again, then you, you might see us pop up, uh, with them as, as, uh, some guest taps, but, and we like the beach. So we, 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 we kind of like it down in hall. Um, yeah. so I think there, you could probably see something pop up there, which is very, very close to Hingham, as you know. <laughs> We have a beach, you know, it just stinks, but we have uh, a beach. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little biased. But, um, and, I, you know, and the, the other thing, too, is is we're always trying to innovate and, and improve our products, but also, I think, improve our customer experience. Like, how do we how do we get more people to come through the tap room? How do we get the people that are there to stay and, and keep coming back as well? Because um, we're really in the hospitality industry. And, uh, and I think a lot of breweries take that for granted. Mm. Um, they, you know, they, it's great. They want you to come, they want you to to buy their beer and then they want you to leave. Yeah. Uh, and we don't want that. Excellent. Mike, did you want to pop in there? Yeah. I think uh, Dino hit on a, I I think an often overlooked, but very important point about craft beer. And it's, you know, you, you'll hear often that people always talk about, you know, the, it's the liquid that matters, which, you know, it certainly does. But I, I think one of the pieces that really makes, craft beer successful, in particular on the South Shore, is the hospitality, the the experience factor of it. They're going to remember if they had a great time or that there was a band playing. or mm. And I think that was something that really the COVID made difficult for a lot of us, you know, that, that 
craft beer became very transactional again. Mm. But when the doors reopened, you know, that's what makes, I think in particular, the, the brewery collection here on the South Shore really uh, attractive for people is that th- these are warm and welcoming places. Before the guys weigh in on what new brewers they're watching and beers they covet, I want to ask for your support. Follow or subscribe to The Hingham Cast on Apple or wherever you listen. And if you're so inclined, rate us and write us a review. Okay, back to the brewers. Do any of you want to weigh in on whether or not they have looked or plan to look in the Hingham shipyard where Boston Beer Works was? I'll take that question. Sure, go ahead. So this is Dino again with the vitamin C. Uh, we we've we had some conversations with some folks about that, um, and it's a great spot, great location. But we're certainly not restaurant tours by any means. And I think for us to jump into an endeavor that large, um, I think we'd be doing a disservice to ourselves and to our consumers. So if you know peanut butter sandwiches become the rage, <laughs> then you know maybe we can we can uh, you know be the first to do that. But um, well, do a collaboration. Get somebody to do the kitchen and you do the bar. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. I'm going to call dibs on this idea and say all three of you should go in on it. <laughs> That's <laughs> There you go. Yeah. There you go. I want to ask you guys um, a couple of things. What's in your fridge right now in terms of a beer that you might have when you head home? Mike? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an eclectic mix. Uh, at the moment, it's a uh, 12-pack of Green State Lager. Where's that? I'm assuming that's from Vermont? It, it is. It is. It's it's one of my go-tos if I can find it. If not, if I'm lucky enough and uh, I, I've got my my feelers out there well enough, there's there's usually some shilling, uh, which is a, a lager-only brewery out of New Hampshire. There's usually uh, a four-pack or two from you know another South Shore brewer. You will almost always find, especially this time of year, uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration and Anchor Christmas. Russ, how about you? Oh, we have uh, various Barrel House Z products, um, but you, you, you'll likely see something called Stay Classy, uh, which is a San Diego West Coast style IPA inspired beer, um, uh, a la Anchorman. And... Um, You'll see a lot of our craft seltzers in, in, in the fridge as well. Nice. How about you, Dino? What's in your fridge? Uh, there's definitely going to be a few few Pilsners in there. That's just something that's easy drinking, lower ABV, uh, something that, you know, I can go cut the grass and have one and not fall asleep. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's also going to be a new four-pack of Swear Jar, which is a uh, milk porter from uh, Russ, as he just handed it to me as I walked through the door <laughs> to give him a little plug. <laughs> um, this might be the, the, the good time for the there you go that's a sound body if I ever heard one nice let's close by kind of paying it forward if you're keeping your eye on a, a local newcomer on the scene who would you say folks should try but it's Dino with vitamin C again um, I guess for us you know I'm kind of keeping an eye on, on Black Rock Brewing which has tried to get set up in Hull for a long time now I know Greg and, and, um, you know, we're, we're kind of rooting for him, whether, whether we're there first or they're there first, doesn't really matter. Mm. We just would be happy to have a brewery down there and Mm -hmm. we're, we're hoping to to see one of us, uh, get the lights on fast. So Mike, 
Well, well Dino took mine. So, so now, I'm, now I'm pivoting and thinking about it. I mean, sorry, bud. Yeah, sorry. Thank, <laughs> no problem, sir. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, honestly, between them and, uh, what is it, Break Rock? Is that the name? Yeah, and Quincy. Yeah, and Quincy. That's the other one that's kind of on the horizon. Uh, and, and those, yeah, yeah. Uh, good pedigree. Uh, brewer there was at Mayflower for quite a long time. Great location. I mean, Marina Bay has kind of needed uh, a fresh destination approach like this. So I, I'm eager to see them get open. Awesome. Russ at Barrel House, what are you, who are you keep an eye on? From afar, I, I, I've been admiring what Brockton uh, Brewing Company has been doing. I, I'm always a huge fan of, of folks who take a, a chance and um, put a brewery in an area with a kind of a bold statement of like, this is for the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really, I'm really kind of proud of what I'm seeing so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to do one more thing and I don't know if we'll have time for it, but let's just do a lightning round. You're heading to someone's house for Christmas and you need to bring a craft beer gift. I'm talking the beer, not your swag. What are you going to bring? A mixed case of Barrel House products. <laughs> Excellent. Anyone else? I'm probably going to forget. So I'll probably call my wife and say, Katie, can you run to the store and go grab this? <laughs> You know, for this time of year, um, I've always been a sucker for uh, Harpoon Winter Warmer. Mm. Yeah, I love that beer. I don't know. It just it, it just does something for me, and I, and I love it. <laughs> Do you know that's the only beer that survives, you know, from my, from my era? Is that one you created, Russ? Yeah, it um, is. For 20 years, I've, I've had that beer, and I've loved it. So that, but then also, it's funny, Mike mentioned um, the celebration, and that's a great, great beer. And I keep seeing people post about it. And I need to get out there and buy some because that's that's always. Where is that? Remind me where that is. Sierra Nevada. Oh, okay, okay. Mike, how about you? What's your gift beer this season? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say, you know, I want to go track down like a Belgian Magnum, like a Corsendon Christmas. Wow. Some, you know, but but that's that's me saying that, and then to your point, Dino, completely forgetting, and then ending up with a half case of short fill. Oh. The beers that when we are canning that are short filled that don't get sold. And so they're, they're kind of brewer's gold. They're what end up in the cooler for us to take home free at night. That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, guys, this has been just a great conversation. Thank you so much. Hingham's Mike Dyer of Untold Brewing. Thanks, pal. Great to be here. Thank you. Dino Finari, founder of Vitamin C Brewing in Weymouth. Thank you. Thank you. Russ Heisner, founder of Barrel House Z in Weymouth and Hingham's own as well. Thanks, Russ. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I thank you very much. Many thanks to my podcasting partner, producer, editor extraordinaire, Kristen Keefe. And to Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavro Creative for our beautiful website. And of course, to you, our listeners. I'm Allie Donnelly. Talk to you soon. Music.